You are listening to KaneCast, a podcast that provides commentary on the economy and financial markets by the Kane Anderson Rudnick Investment Management Team. Hello, this is Jordan Greenhouse, Managing Director with Kane Anderson Rudnick, and with me today I have Craig Thrasher, Senior Portfolio Manager and Lead Analyst with the KAR International Small Cap Portfolio. Craig, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time today. Craig, the biggest topic in the market in recent months has been related to inflation. Is it transitory? What will central banks do in response? And what will be the impact on the markets? What are your thoughts on inflation as it relates to investing in the international small cap market space? Well, I would say first off, uh, we do think that it makes sense that investors right now are worried about inflation. Inflation around the world has been running quite high and and frankly well above long-term government bond rates. And we haven't seen this type of inflation for decades. And if inflation remains anywhere near current levels, we believe that would be bad news for both stocks and bond investors. Now, there's a number of factors impacting the inflation numbers that we're seeing right now, including supply chain disruptions that most people believe will be transitory. But we could also say that in recent years, there's been a really an unprecedented amount of fiscal and monetary stimulus. That's no secret. And until recently, that hasn't really translated into higher prices, higher inflation, at least measured by things like the consumer price index or the producer price index. But now we are starting to see that. We're, we're starting to see prices increase at a fairly rapid pace. Now, whether or not this is transitory is an important question. And unfortunately, I would say we don't claim to have the answer to that. But um, what I would say about it is that we wouldn't be totally surprised to see inflation remain much higher than what would appear to be baked into financial markets currently, at least um, judging, say, by long-term interest rates, which do remain relatively low. So the question for us and for investors is how would one position a portfolio for potentially higher inflation? And our belief is that, first off, maybe the most important thing to do would be to invest in companies that have pricing power. And that's something that we've always tried to do. We try to identify companies that have unique products or services and can therefore be a price setter in the market rather than a price taker. And we believe that these types of companies are going to be better able to pass on higher prices to at least keep up with inflation. Another thing that you might do would be to seek out companies that are asset light rather than capital intensive. In capital intensive industries during inflationary periods, your capital expenditures tend to go up and and be significantly higher than your uh, your reported depreciation. So your earnings, uh, your cash flows rather, would turn out to be significantly lower than earnings for that company. And we try to own businesses with little capital needed to run the business so that cash flows can remain robust even during times of inflation. So in summary, I I would say that um, while we try to avoid macro forecasting, we do think that the inflation risk perceived by the market right now is real. And we believe that in that scenario, Um, we own the types of businesses that are best suited to deal with inflation, at least certainly on a relative basis, is our belief. The U.S. markets outperform international equities in 2021 and, frankly, have outperformed both international developed and emerging markets for quite some time. What is the case for investors continuing to diversify in the international landscape? If we look at 
the longer term history of markets, not just the, the recent years, there have been long periods of time where the U.S. has outperformed international markets as they have recently. But there's also been long periods of time where the U.S. market has dramatically underperformed relative to international uh, emerging and developed markets. And I know this might seem ancient history to some, but if we just go back to the 2002 to 2007 timeframe, international and emerging market stocks dramatically outperformed U.S. equities. So over that five-year period, uh, again, 2002 to 2007, the S&P had a 12.8% annual return. And if you compare that to IFA international stocks, say large call IFA large cap developed international stocks returned 22.2%. And emerging market stocks over that period returned 37.3%. So that's a period where um, we would say, in other words, diversification helped. I'd say moreover, in, 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 as it relates to the relative performance of markets over long periods of time, we think that valuation plays a, a key role in that. And when valuations become more attractive, long-term return prospects uh, in a given market also become more attractive and, and vice versa. When, when stocks get expensive, long-term return prospects go down. And when we look at the relative valuations around the world, we see a U.S. market right now that is expensive relative to history. And we see international markets that are broadly, say, in line with their historical average. And we think that right now this bodes well for the relative performance of international and emerging market stocks. Do you have any outlook on the markets for 2022? And what portfolio changes have you made recently, given your outlook? Generally speaking, we shy away from making near-term market forecasts. It's just, frankly, too difficult, if not impossible, for us. I would say one observation that we have made in, in recent quarters is the significant valuation difference between companies that are deemed to be desirable and or undesirable by investors. So on the one hand, there's stocks that people have wanted to own at any price. These have tended to be higher growth companies, companies and industries where people see structural change benefiting that industry, for example, electric vehicles. On the other hand, there's parts of the market that people don't want to own at any price for whatever reason. Uh, I think energy would be, would be an example of that, perhaps partly driven by an increasing focus on ESG by a lot of investors. And now these are just a couple examples, but we've seen a number of areas in the markets where, where this seems to be the case. So to the extent possible, we've been allocating capital to areas of the market that some investors would deem less sexy. We still think we're buying great businesses in those cases, but maybe the growth rate, for example, isn't as high as some growth investors might want or, or high enough to, to garner attention from a lot of investors. Uh, and in contrast, we've been trimming or selling stocks in those areas of the market that we feel have gotten more crowded and people have been willing to pay anything for high growth, areas like Cloud software, software as a service would be some examples of, of that. So we do still believe in gravity and gravity in the stock market is valuation and we believe valuation still matters. And we've tried to position the portfolio to those parts of the market where we're getting more attractive valuations, of course, while still sticking to our standard of buying high quality companies that are competitively entrenched. What are some of the key contributors to returns during the fourth quarter of 2021? Top contributor performance for the second quarter was AutoTrader Group. AutoTrader operates the leading online automotive marketplace in the United Kingdom. 
Uh, the stock rallied in this quarter. They, they recently reported better than expected. They reported their fiscal first half of the year. Um, and in that report, they had better than expected revenues and earnings. Obviously, investors like that. Another contributor to performance was Baltic Classifieds Group. This is a company that is listed in the United Kingdom as well, but their business is in the, the Baltics, obviously, as the name would indicate. Uh, they operate a, a number of leading vertical and generalist online classifieds portals in Estonia, Latvia, and, and Lithuania. The company did uh, go public recently in June, and um, this results that they just announced were their first results as a public company uh, during this quarter. And all the key performance metrics were very strong in terms of traffic, revenues, earnings, and, and the stock re reacted favorably to those results. Other contributors to performance in the fourth quarter were Mortgage Advice Bureau, Vivo Energy, and Payson Systems. What were some of the key detractors to the portfolio for 2021 as well? Our largest detractor in the fourth quarter was a company called Victorian Plumbing, also listed in the UK, coincidentally, three in a row in the UK. Victorian Plumbing is a, a digitally native retailer of bathroom products and accessories, and they're the leading specialist bathroom brand in the UK. The company reported this quarter um, that they're seeing sales that have been negatively impacted by a shift in consumer behavior. The company believes, and we believe, being driven um, by the impact of the easing of lockdowns and people are shopping less now online than they have. And, and that's um, leading to some headwinds for sales. But we still believe the company the company is competitively well positioned. Uh, another detractor in the fourth quarter was a company called Boa Vista. And this is a company in Brazil that uh, is the second largest consumer and commercial credit bureau in Brazil. And estimates have been coming down in recent months as a result mainly of the of the impact of the macroeconomic environment in Brazil, which in turn is, is being partly impacted by COVID. So uh, again, we don't believe that there's anything competitively that's different. It's just the macro environment is very uh, weak and uncertain in Brazil, and, and that's uh, being reflected in some weaker sentiment for Boa Vista. Other detractors in the fourth quarter were Redbubble, CAE, and Sabre Insurance. Craig, as always, thank you very much for the time and the insights you provide our listeners, and we look forward to future conversations. Have a nice day. Canecast is the official podcast series of Kane Anderson Rutnick Investment Management, CAR. This material is provided as a matter of general information and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast or research. The opinions expressed herein are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the opinions of CAR or its affiliates, are current as of the date and time of the recording, and are subject to change at any time due to changes in the market or economic conditions. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by CAR to be reliable and are not necessarily all-inclusive. CAR does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of this information. This communication should not be construed as an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any security. Individuals should consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. To the extent any performance is discussed, past performance is not indicative of future results.